you got to do you got to do a better job of getting a pitch you can hit. Um, didn't really get the big hit this whole series with guys on base. You know, bases loaded there with nobody out. You know, um, probably want to get a little bit more than one. And uh, you know, it's it's you know it ebbs and flows, right? And I think right now just give credit to them. Good pitching staff. Um, they made pitches. We didn't get the hits. You know, you got to have consistent at bats one through nine. And I think that you know over the course of the whole first part of the year here, it's been a little bit inconsistent with everybody. Well, I mean, I'll give John Schneider credit for being honest. He'll join us later in the show, by the way. It What's he going to say? It has been the very inconsistent. Yeah, I know. At least he acknowledged that uh, they're not great. There's been some inconsistency. Yeah. The uh, New York Yankees have left town. Aaron Judge apparently is Too gone. much drama for me the last couple of days. Huh? I, I'm just tired of it. Tired of talking about the fish eyeing and the The last couple Aaron of days. Judge and yesterday was all about baseball. I, it was, but... Yesterday was all about baseball. It's I like, mean, the we're pay- talking biggest games of the year already. The the, the, the page, you know, the, the page got a split, and the page was turned. The page was turned after uh, yeah. after the second game. Oh, and if if you're interested, by the way, I did take note of the where the New York Yankees third base and first base coaches really? were. They were miles out of the box yesterday. They were like, I did you write I, that down in your book. I did. As a matter of fact, <laughs> I I uh, texted one of the Yankees writers and I said. Okay, I just looked at video that was on social media of where the Yankees coaches were when all this started. They're even farther away. You think away. that that's the reason why Booney and Pete Walker were yelling and screaming at each other? I I don't know, but I the 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 point is it was just that just to me summed up the whole the whole thing. Yeah. Um at, at the end of the day, I, I think John Schneider's right all the you know all the the, the talk about whatever Whatever all we were talking about a couple of days ago, bottom line is, I think, with the odd exception, the Jays pitched well enough to win three games in this series. Uh, they certainly did yesterday. But, you know, man, when we're... Uh, we had a caller in Blue Jays talk last night, Kevin. I wish I'd written the guy's name down because he made a point. When you got bases loaded and you're celebrating a sacrifice fly by Vladimir Guerrero That's- Jr., well, he was. Well, he was. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah that, he was. But, but the point is, when you're, that is probably the third least possible or third least preferable preferable outcome of the at bat, a sacrifice Homer'd fly. Homer'd be nice. Homer'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and and it was a good point by the caller. Four two. Great the, point. The Jays lost last night again. Could not get a bit. There's there's really only there's there are two people hitting in this team right now. And one's sick. One of them's sick, Kevin Kiermaier, and the other one is Bo Bichette, who continues to basically be an island right now. It's crazy how good he is. It it, it really is. It really is crazy. And I, at this point, I don't even know why. I would just I'd put him on. I did four four fingers. We'll take our chances with uh, Chapman Varsho. Um, <laughs> you, you definitely would. The Jays had a uh, the Jays had a golden opportunity in the seventh inning last yeah. night. Bases loaded, and and this is we got to set the stage here. Uh, Jose Brios was Jose Brios was really good. He was for for for, for the Blue Jays. Nate Pearson. I don't want to get Barker's going to bug me for getting. Excited. I mean, Nate Pearson looked more like the Nate Pearson we saw in the playoffs. Yeah, he still gave well, up. Your a heart homer. rate goes up over. Well, a, a homer from the seven hole hitter and a double from a guy that's hitting a buck fifty. Like I, all, all you've I done, all, all you've it. done, all you've done Boy, is spend a year and a half circles yelling and screaming at me after the game last night well, about it. Because it went two innings, all you threw a hundred and gave up 
the homer to a seven hole hitter. All you've done like, is all you've done is spend a year and a half it's saying very, it's very hard to take a dude serious. Okay, all when, right, when, all whenever right, he throws whatever, a three two slider to a guy, when when Aaron Judge is standing on the on deck circle. All right, down fine. five runs. Fine, fine. You can you can uh, you can enjoy your Jimmy Garcias. Have fun with that. Um, but anyhow, yeah. again, it comes down to. Uh, an ability to get a big hit, bases loaded, the seventh inning. Brandon Bell comes up. Aaron Boone told writers before the game, essentially what he said is, I don't have many, if any, of my high leverage relievers available. So we're going, you know, we're going to be, we're going to be going, you're going to get Ryan Webber, you're going to get Albert Abreu, uh, Ron Marinaccio is, you know, he's, 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 they've got a certain circle. He's part of that circle of trust, if you want to call him that. Mm-hmm. But but I mean Ryan Weber, Ryan Weber shouldn't be in the major leagues, and the second for the second time in this series, the Jays got Ryan Weber and and how Brandon Belt, I mean, Brandon Belt with the bases loaded hits a weak fly ball to left field, and that of course then Vladdy comes up to pinch hit hits a sacrifice fly and George Springer flies out and the the innings over. Mm-hmm. I mean there been look the Jays left. The Jays basically left the Tobacco in the bases in the third game of the series. Yep. And last night there weren't as many left on base because frankly there weren't as many there weren't as many base runners. But my God, Kevin, and, you know, I, and people keep have kept telling me that you know Brandon Belt looks better. Brandon Belt looks better. There's signs that he's. I mean, Brandon Belt. Brandon Belt has to come through for me in that situation. He he really. Does. Oh, well, that's why he's on the team. He's he's on the team to go one for four and drive with a in bases a bases loaded double. Yeah. Late in the game against a dude that throws eighty nine miles an hour. Yeah. I, uh, his, his mechanics was upper half. I mean, let's just ask you a question. I know he's won a couple of World Series, and I'm gonna be real careful about this because that's respect. Like I I want to respect this guy because he's been around a long time and he's done some things. He's gotten some big hits, but occasionally does he look hitterish to you? Nope. Like to see ooze, like uh oh, here's Brandon Belt standing at the plate. Uh, that that for me, because of the upper half, because of the way he starts. You know, you look at Bo, which is a little unfair. The way he's able to get to all quadrants as a strike zone with the barrel. Now, obviously, Bo's younger and has things going on that most human beings can't do. Just the point being is, a guy that's been around forever. Make a tiny little adjustment. Free your upper half up a little bit. Give yourself a chance to fight the barrel to the baseball. That That's a big situation. To be beaten by 89, basically center cut with the bases loaded, there's not a ton of excuse for it. So, yeah, I, I, and I'm sure if you walked up and asked him, I would I would think he would tell you it's not good enough. Yeah. Like, this, these guys are just, to your point, Chapman, Springer, and Kirk last night were 0 for 10 with five strikeouts. It's just not good enough. Like, it's against the lefty that basically – were you out with yeah, 93? Said, listen, I said. Were you out with 93? Who's been getting hammered by righties all year? Lefty's sitting 160 coming in. So, Varsho, I guess a little. You could give him a hall pass. But the righties? Righties hitting 281. Well, uh, how, 281. I Off want Nestor Cortez coming into the game. They needed better at bats and they're not getting it. Okay, I want. We're going to be talking a lot about runners in scoring position with John Schneider when he joins us. We're also going to have Ben McDonald to uh, take a look ahead of the Baltimore Orioles who come into town for three games. And uh, they're feeling pretty frisky. They're playing with house money. Nobody expects them to do anything. They're in second place. Uh, Jim Bowden will join us in a few minutes as well, former MLB executive and MLB insider with The Athletic. Give me those runners in scoring position numbers we were talking about. Well, we, we talk about luck a lot, right? It's it's about who's it coming luck. up at the right time. 
it's it's some really bad luck when Dalton Varsho, no offense to Dalton Varsho, it's not his fault that they put him in the three hole, the four hole, the five hole. It's not his fault. Like this is, right, he's trying to find himself offensively. He is, right? It's, right. it's not the Diamondbacks. Like he's right. trying to physically find himself. He's got 53 bats. That's the most at bats. With runners and scoring With position. runners and scoring He's hitting a buck 70. Chapman's got 48 at bats. He's hitting 250. With Merrifield's third on their team with at bats, with runners in scoring position, with 41. He's hitting 220. So just those two. With Witt, Witt's a run scorer, not a run producer. Big difference. This is why I said a bunch of this is luck, because Witt is hitting 220. Dalton Varsho. Give, give, give me George and Vladdy's numbers. Uh, uh, George, George's got 37 at bats. He's hitting 243. He's got zero home runs with runners in scoring position. That's the thing you got to know, right? These dudes are really good that they're facing. Occasionally, you got to cheat, get the head out. Bridge somebody with a runner in scoring position. Vladdy got one homer. Vladdy's hitting 333, but it's a soft three. For me, yeah. it's a soft 333. He's got one homer. That home and run is doing has, things. He's hitting 412. So, yeah. and I said this to you before the show started. No offense to Bo, but when Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is in my lineup, Bo should not lead the team in homers and RBIs. I'm sorry. There's there he should not. Uh, no offense to Bo. Bo is an unbelievable hitter, and I'm not taking anything away from him. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr. offensively, when it comes to run producing, is an aircraft carrier, at least for me. He shouldn't have less home runs than Bo and less RBIs than Bo. He shouldn't. I mean, that, that's Vladdy, a slap in the face. Vladdy has, be better. Vladdy has yet to homer at the Rogers Center. The Jays are among the worst teams in baseball uh, in terms of home runs at their uh, their own ballpark. I mean, they had 13 put, home runs with runners in scoring position. That's yeah, not great. But, I mean, put it this way. Aaron Judge got four home runs in that series. He's cut four more home runs at Rogers Center this year than Vladdy Jr., but come to think of it, so does Anthony Volpe. The caller, He's got to the caller's point He's after the game last night, the sack fly being happy about it with the bases loaded and one out sort of tells you all you need to know right now. Yeah, it ain't good. No, it's not. Um, and and you're right. We you know Vladdy pinch hit yesterday because of the knee injury. We knee injury. It's not a knee injury. It, it, the MRI came back negative. They're but I mean cautious, clearly, which they should. Yeah, uh, they're being cautious. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll see what happens today uh, with the Baltimore Orioles in town. But um, absent him, George Springer. I mean, I taught George Springer. George Springer's been a passenger this year. Offensively, I mean, I, I cannot, I cannot put it any other way. He has been a passenger. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're past with George about how many balls he's hitting hard. Like it's yeah. performance driven with him. You give him 150 million to not always hit a ball hard for an out. Yeah. Like it's, it's. And I'm not saying he does that all the time, but we got to stop saying that. You know, he's hitting some balls. It's, you know, they, they would say that about me. <laughs> that you know, just to, to pump me up and say it's okay, Kevin. You know, you're hitting them hard. Hang with them. You don't do that with your guys that you expect to do things and help you win baseball games. And George is one of those. They all know. It's not like we're we're giving away state secrets here about the dudes that aren't getting it done. Like they need to they know that they need to be better on the elevated fastball. Like nine, 93 from a lefty shouldn't be able to walk through a heavily right-handed lineup. Kirky, Chapman, Springer. And be able to look the way they're looking, especially the year that the lefty's been having against righties. You shouldn't be able to do that. You should be able to make in-game adjustments, do something with your lower half, level out your bat path, be able to square that ball up to get him off of it. So it has to be better if they want to win more games. It'll be a Sekakuchi on the mound tonight against Kyle Gibson. A reminder, it's an Apple TV game, but we will have it on Sportsnet 590. The fan with Ben Wagner having the call of the game Saturday. Grayson Rodriguez against Alec Manoa. 
Sunday, Dean Kramer against Kevin Gossman. The Jays are four and three in this homestand, sweeping the Braves, losing three of four to uh, to 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 the New York to the New York Yankees. Uh, you know, I mean, it's that's the thing with the Jays this year, right? Swept or be swept for the most part. But you know, I we asked callers last night in Blue Jays talk about how you, to to give us a to give to give us a one word description of 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 that series. And I think what we kind of settled on is revealing. I think we saw, I think we found some things out about this Blue Jays lineup. And a, a lot of other people also said, you know, frustrating. They're becoming a frustrating team to watch. And that does happen when you are getting men on base and not bringing them in. So we've got a lot to talk to John Schneider about. But before we bring Jim Bowden on... We had, we'd have to talk about Jose Barrios last night. And uh, what, 19 first-pitch strikes, do we say? 27 19, batters he faced, yeah. 19 first-pitch strikes. Yep. Uh, he, made some, he made some tough pitches when he had to. He looked... Uh, there he pitched was, out of trouble a couple times out of other trouble. than the seventh inning. And he, had a, he, he continues to have a little bit... There's that little spark there that we didn't see a lot last year. Yeah, his mix is him. balanced now. That that's the one yeah. thing for me that stands out. Now, whether that has anything to do with Danny Jansen, he's figured. You, you, I, but he just to give you an example of that he threw 31 sinkers, he threw 26 four seamers, he threw 21 changeups, he threw 18 slurves. That's a nice like mix. that's really balanced, right? Yeah. It's not like you're gonna go up and he's one heavy pitch. You go up looking for that. Now you got to look for four of them. Do you think that whether maybe, you're righty or lefty, that's a big deal? Do you think that? I mean, they're different pitchers, but do you think that a guy like Barrios looks at Chris Bassett and goes, you know, Chris Bassett, like me, we're, we're not going to throw 99. We don't have 90, 98 or 99 in the tank. And I'm just wondering about that. If he sees Chris Bassett mixing, using a bunch of pitchers, and maybe Barrios has come to the conclusion, you know what, I don't have a great fastball. Maybe I've got to start balancing, working in some I other th- pitchers. I think, to your point, I think if he does look at Chris, he can go, I can get through a game with a sinker. If I locate sure. somewhat with a sinker, Great you know, point. I, you know yep. I can front hip it to a lefty. I can I can throw it up to a righty, which some, is always a no-no. Really good Nobody ever does time. that. Yeah. Nobody ever throws a sinker up to anybody because that's a no-no, right? It's easier to get on top of that because you tend to throw that a mile or two slower, and that's why they say that's a no-no because it's a better pitch. You want it on the ground, not in the air. It's a little easier to create backspin when it's up. Yeah. I, I'm with you a little bit. I think his slurves a little bit better. I think his changeup's a weapon now. I think the confidence for him is a giant deal. I think he's mechanically sound. I think because of all of those things, he's able to get past a first inning two-run homer from Aaron Judge. Mm. When last year we'd have fallen off the tracks, he would have went two and a third instead of going almost seven innings. So yeah, pitching's you, not pitching's not the problem. What do you think though? The Jays. I made the point before this series. The Jays have done a really good job in Aaron Judge since last May. I mean, they've done a really good job. He's a one home run off, and that was a historic home run, right? It was the home run off Tim Mesa. Mm-hmm. But that's gone out the window now. What do you think explains that? Because, like, that, that was, we're talking from May through to September, you basically owned, I mean, he hit 176 against the yeah, Jays during that I, time. I, I think- you basically owned. The dude. I think Aaron as Judge, much as anybody Aaron Judge is just like every other hitter. You make a good pitch to him, most of the time you're going to get him out. You throw a ball down the middle because he's, he's perfected it. mechanics and he's Aaron Judge, you will not get the baseball back. And the last couple of games against him, you know, whether it's too fine, whether you're trying to overthrow it, whether you're trying to aim it, I saw that's for me a little bit. I saw 
Jose looking to me like, you know, you aim it. You want to sort of guide it to where you want it to end up instead of just, I'm going to aim outer third. It's going to move. It'll go where I want it to go because uh, I'm mechanically sound and I'm confident in my pitches. I think sometimes it's very hard for a fan of a team to sometimes tip your hat to the other player. You have to do that with Aaron Judge. Yeah, some sometimes. It's hard. Know, it is. But sometimes but, you got to. Absolutely. Uh, Jim Bowden is a former MLB executive. He's an MLB insider with the athletic and CBS sports. And we're very pleased that he joins us on uh, Blair and Barker. He is a must follow on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Jim Bowden GM. Jim, thanks so much for joining Kevin and myself today. Um, so the Jays don't see the Yankees again until September 19th. And we were kind of having this discussion the past couple of days. And I wanted to get your, your insight on this. You know, you look at the American League East, and, of course, this is the first year that we're going to have a more balanced schedule and there are going to be fewer games within the division. I'm wondering, is that – I mean, if you're an American League East team right now and, and you're chasing Tampa and, and, frankly, you're chasing Baltimore as well, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Would you almost rather have more games head-to-head against the teams you've got to you know, get ahead of or, you know, with the wild card, does it not matter anymore? Yeah, I think it depends where you are in the standings, right? If, if I'm six and a half games out, tied for third place with the Yankees, then I'd prefer to play Tampa Bay and Baltimore head-to-head so I can uh, decide my own destiny, right? So mm-hmm. I'd prefer more games in-house. If I'm Tampa Bay and I'm in first place right now, uh, thank you very much. I'd much rather play Detroit, the White Sox, Kansas City, Oakland, et cetera. Jim, from afar, what do you thought of the Blue Jays so far early in the season? I mean, look, I think the deals they made in the offseason uh, certainly have had an impact. I mean, it's a much better defensive team in the outfield. I think that's clear. Swanson's done a really good job in the bullpen and helped uh, improve the pen. Chris Bassett has been arguably the second best starter to Kevin Gosman. So that's played out extremely well. He's got more left-handed hitters than you did a year ago, and um, you're sitting there at 25 and 19. So, you know, I think they're in a pretty good position. I, I think that, you know, George Springer hasn't had a great start to, to, to begin the year. Alejandro Kirk hasn't looked like Alejandro Kirk to start the year. And so those slow starts have kind of appeared a little bit. But, you know, I think the Blue Jays are in a pretty good position considering the great start that Tampa Bay had. Jim, you mentioned George Springer. I, I want to ask you, uh, coming from front offices and, and you know, sort of in a, in a guy's career offensively, when you start wondering, you know, is he on the back nine? I'm not saying that, that I think George is that because he has been hitting some baseballs hard. But he does look like his bat's a little slower for whatever reason. Maybe he's trying too hard. He understands what the season means and what he means to this team. But is there something, you know, a front office would point to that would tell you that maybe, you know, he's starting to regress the opposite direction? Well, I think, you know, one thing that we've learned is in in general, right, the prime years of a player is 25 to 30 or 25 to 31, depending upon which uh, formula you like better. And then after that, you really don't know. You know, every individual is different. You know, it's, and it's not, has nothing to do with athleticism, um, has nothing to do with anything. When a guy all of a sudden loses something with the hand-eye coordination or it slows down, you, you can't really predict it. You know, we've seen David Ortiz, he hit till he was 40. Um, but we've also seen young star players be done at 32, even 30. So, you know, you, there's no set formula. 
I mean, certainly when you see the slow start that Springer's had and you look at you say he's 33, he's going to turn 34, I don't think you can ignore it. I mean, go look at Hall of Famers. Go look at the careers that Poles and Cabrera have and, and look at how all of a sudden their numbers started to decline. So it's not something you can predict. You know, I know in the case of Springer, he's fought, a, you know, a virus and, 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 you know, he's been ill a little bit and that can zap your strength. And so you can look a little bad. Sometimes when you get older, the first month is harder than it normally was. And sometimes when, when the you know, weather heats up a little bit, the players heat up and come back. I mean, I know we've seen a lot of guys that had really bad, including Derek Jeter, um, that have had really bad April and Mays, and boom, all of a sudden they, they turn it around. So I don't think you can come to conclusions, but anytime you've got a guy that's 33 or 34 years old, I mean, you can't ignore it. You hope he comes out of it and starts to turn around, but it also wouldn't surprise me if, he started a decline. Jim, when you've made trades in the offseason to address the balance in your lineup, with which the Jays did, they tried to get more left-handed, uh, more left-handed hitters in here. When you do that and you run into a spell they're in right now where they're not hitting with runners in scoring position, they're not hitting home runs at home, um, you know, we talked about George, George Springer's got one double, Vladdy has yet the homer at home. Is there a point in the season where you or any MLB executive, you know, looks at your lineup and says, okay, this is, you know, best laid plans aren't working here. Um, We have to do something. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, I I think when they made their moves in the offseason, they were going to sacrifice some lineup, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're going to, they were going to sacrifice some punch. They wanted to, they wanted better to be defensively in the outfield pitching and defense. Okay, that, that that we understand that 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 was a goal. You want to get left-handed? Okay. I mean, I love Varsho defensively, and I like his power, but I don't like above his hit tool. You know, I, I like that trade on the other side at the time. I liked it for Arizona because I like Molina the catcher, and I think Gurriel's got some pop. But I understand it. Varsho's a winning player. I get it. You know, Kevin Kiermaier. Isn't going to give you the offense that you want, but boy, he's going to catch everything in the outfield. So you gave up something to get something, but you know, it's, you look at your team. Now you, you look at where the blue Jays are. I'd like another bat. I, I, I'm not worried about Guerrero. Of course, he Chapman and the shed are the, the, the things that are there, but you know, if there was an opportunity to, you know, get, get another bat. Sure. I mean, you know, they, they miss having a Marcus Simeon in that lineup. Right. I mean, they have since he left. He'd be perfect at second base. You know, I'm not sure you with Merrifield, sure he can steal a base, but I'm not sure you're going to get that thunder from him. So, you know, you, you've got some good defense in left field and center field and second base, et cetera, but I kind of feel like you're a bat short still. So I, I would look at this team and say, let's go get another bat. That's what I would try to do. Jim, uh, Alec Manoa has a couple more bad starts in a row. Front office, what do you do? Yeah. Well, the first thing, I mean, as a, as a GM, you know how good he is. And so what you've got to do is you've got to figure out why is this happening? You know, why is he not throwing enough strikes? Why is he pitching ahead enough? Why is the stuff down, a tick down across? What are the, you, you got to find the answers. Is he hurt? You know, I, I know that, that he says he's not hurt. The trainers say he's not hurt. But we got 32 walks in 45 innings, guys. That's not Manoa. Yeah. Is he hurt? You know, sometimes, I told this when I was a gym for 16 years, sometimes a guy was injured, he doesn't know it. How's your shoulder? Fine. How's your elbow? Fine. Okay. And then he, he takes some anti-inflammatories, and all of a sudden he pitches better. What happened? Well, he probably gets some inflammation in the shoulder, 
And so the anti-inflammatories knocked it out, and he was fine. But he didn't feel the pain, even though he had inflammation, right? And that can happen to pitchers. You know, so, you know, could it be medical? Yeah, maybe. Could it be mechanics? Sure. I mean, look, I, I haven't studied the video enough to know what's different, but I'm sure that the Blue Jays analytic department and pitching people have done their homework. You know, how's his weight? How's his delivery? How's his release point? How is his hip turn? How's his landing spot? I mean, because nowadays they measure that thing down to the centimeter. Well, t- tell me what that is, because it's not physical, and it, and, and it's, it's, if, if it's not if it's not mechanics, then the only thing else it can be is the mental aspect of it. So we have a mental coach working on him. So I mean, those are the three pillars that you use to fix a guy. I refuse at his age to to say that he's done or gone backwards. I, I won't do that, but gotta fix him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> gotta be better than this. Period. If you're gonna win, are you a believer that if if a guy is healthy, you I mean you you just you have to run him out though. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't I don't have to run him out. I want to win baseball games. Hmm. I want to do what's best to fix him. Is it best to fix him by putting him in the bullpen for for a couple of starts and having him work some things out of the bullpen? I don't know. I mean, I want all the options that are on the table and find a way because what I'm obsessed with is fixing him. I don't like putting guys out there knowing he's going to get hit. I don't like putting guys out there knowing he's going to give up 32 walks and 45 innings. I mean, that, that's just unacceptable. Got a whip of 1 8 right now. That's unacceptable. So we got to fix it. Tell me how we're going to fix it. Fixing it means a mechanical change. If fixing means there's a health issue, if fixing means that there's some. Mental home things we got to fix at home. There's some issues going on that we don't know about. You got to find out what they are. You got to fix it. Uh, Is he better off going to the bullpen just for a couple of, you know, couple of miss a couple of starts, try to get his head straight, and then put him back out there? Is there a better option to put on the mound uh, while we're trying to figure him out? I don't know. But those are all the things that are going on in, in the in the, the minds of the of the Blue Jays brain trust. It's it's not let's go trade for somebody. It's how are we going to fix what we got? Last question before we let you run. The Orioles are in town for a three-game series. Uh, they're for real, aren't they? Yeah, they're for real. Um, and, and what's scary about them is is both Colton Colzer, uh, Colzer and um, Herstat are both going to be ready by the summer. Hmm. So they got two more impact bats coming, like impact bats, like 25, 30 home run guys that are going to be put there in the middle with Rutschman and Henderson in this group. Their lineup's going to be really, really good, and they're going to have major league outfielders they can trade for more pitching because their pitching's a little short. But their position players, they're real. Last year wasn't a fluke. It was real, and they're going to get better because the pipeline, the pipeline's coming, and when it comes, it's going to be thunder, right? It's going to be thunder and lightning for that matter. So, yeah, they're for real. I'm not sure their pitching's enough. That's why it's so important. Get Manoa fixed. Get Burrios improved. Let's Let's keep – trying to get what the Blue Jays have. But Baltimore's not going anywhere. They're going to be in this race, and they're going to be scary. And now we haven't learned what Mike Elias can do on the trade front. We Correct. haven't seen that yet. That's can right. he go out and go get that big starter or two? Because that, that's what they need to get over the top. They need a starter or two this year, right here, right now. And he's got enough to trade without giving up his top guys in the farm system to make those kind of trades. But we've never seen if Mike Elias, Mike Elias can do that. So we'll find out. Great. Jim, really good of you to join us yeah. today. Thanks so much. That's Terrific insight, man. Thanks, Be well. Jim. Thanks, guys.
Jim Bowden is a former MLB executive, MLB insider with The Athletic and CBS Sports. Interesting about Manoa. But that, that, that's the first time we've heard anybody say it's about winning. If you have to stick him in the bullpen... The only the only question I would have is who who makes it start? Well, we've talked, and, and, and that's a great it's a great segue to uh, there was a little bit of news yesterday. Adam Simber is with the team; he's not been put on the roster yet. Uh, and uh, Mitch White is going to have a shoulder looked at. He has shoulder fatigue. I mean, they've been it's been kid gloves with Mitch White all along, and you know I think we've Mitch White in in the Jays universe. Mitch White is a guy who might be able to give them some bulk innings. He's also a guy that we've talked about how successful Kevin Gossman is when he has an extra day. He's really the only guy in the organization right now you could throw out there for a start and say just, you know, please give us four or or whatever. Mm-hmm. There's 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 nobody else. Sure. They don't have anybody else in yeah, the yeah. organization. That takes some guts doing that too. That that would take some guts. You, you're basically sending a message that it is all about winning. Well, and, it's and, and nothing and, and, else. And here's the thing. Other than winning. here's the thing. You can't use Mitch White to <laughs> just let me finish. You can't I'm, use Mitch White to make a couple of stars for Alec Manoa, and also use Mitch White to give Kevin Gossman oh, the extra day. That's a good. One. I mean, you 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 can't. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, Jim's point is interesting. I the, sending him down to Triple A. People keep no. You, you're not going to send Alec Manoa down to Triple A. But if you can't, if he's not hurt, and everything we hear from people is, if he was hurt, he wouldn't be doing all those side sessions that are great. Right. I mean, he wouldn't. Yeah. So we assume health. If you can't figure it out. Maybe you do. Maybe you you create an injury, right? Say he's got a sore sore shoulder or whatever, and 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 put him in the IL. I'm just I'm, I'm trying to work through this, or you know, use maybe use an opener for one of uh, for a start one of his starts, and let him let him work through things in the bullpen because I don't know if. The Alec Manoa we're seeing right now is capable of working through stuff in games. Like, I don't want Alec Manoa working through stuff against the Baltimore Orioles or working through stuff against the Tampa Bay Rays or the New York It'd be Yankees. interesting to see the next couple of starts if both of them look, have looked or look like they have been looking. What do you do? What do you keep running him out there? Like I, that's a yeah. that is the million dollar question. And Jim, Jim, make you think. Like it is because if you do it. You are sending a message to your team that it's not good enough. You know what, though? I don't. You are? Yeah, you're sending one a message. guys. But that that's fine. I, I think this team, everybody in this team knows that yeah. it's not but good enough. But do you actually see it right in front of you? It's a little different, isn't it? I don't know. I don't think. I think when, when, a, guy, when a guy is scuffling and you sit him down to make him better, I don't think that sends a message Try to the, the rest Danny of the Jansen team. Try the Danny Jansen thing first. What, what do you got to lose? Yeah, why Try not? it. Why not? Why not? Why not? I mean, it's worked with other guys. There you go. Why not? And really what you want is one. You just want to correct. Maybe it's just a matter of correcting something. Different voice, maybe. maybe. Maybe pushes the button sure. differently. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's well, that simple. Maybe you find something out. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it works, in which case Alejandro Kerr catches somebody we'll, else. We'll ask John. We asked him that the last. He must be getting tired of hearing it. You think they're talking about that internally? I mean, it's the one thing they haven't done, right? Oh, you know they are. 
the back leg line is 416-413-3959. Your opportunity to ask questions of Kevin Barker. Uh, your opportunity to make suggestions. And maybe, you too, Jeff. You and, too. Yeah, but I'm like, they, they want to talk to you. I'm Maybe you've got some ideas. Maybe you out there got some ideas about what you would do with Alec Manoa. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to ask the same question I asked last night after the Yankees game as well. What Did, did that series, losing three or four to the Yankees, did that maybe reveal something about this team to you? Do you think that maybe they're a little farther behind than we thought they would be? Something to think about on a Friday morning. 416-413-3959. Splair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reminder that Effective Monday, we will be on 5 to 7 on Sportsnet 590, the fan and Sportsnet 360. We will, of course, continue to be available via podcast. And I had someone um, DM me, not DM me, sorry, someone reach out on Twitter yesterday and say, okay, that's great, but um, won't the podcast be dated? Because it'll be on before the game, the game will have occurred. And I said, no, we're aware of the we're aware of the difference in time and the demands that's going to place on us. So we will ensure that it won't be just simply a pregame show that you're going to be hearing on the podcast. There'll be, there'll be much wider baseball discussion than that and some features and some, some things like that. So just just because I had that from a couple of people and uh, just so you're aware of it, uh, that is what we have planned. And again, it's 5 to 7 starting Victoria Day. And uh, we will still, of course, be doing Blue Jays talk following most weekday games, including tonight. The Baltimore Orioles open a three-game series against the Blue Jays with uh, Yusei Kikuchi on the mound against Kyle Gibson for the Orioles, who are much better than we thought they'd be, 28-16. and 16. I think they play better defense. I think they have better defense up the middle, which is a big deal for a really good team. Their lineup is a handful. It's balanced. Uh, you have to pitch every guy differently. Whoever's pitching against that lineup better, you know, add and subtract and locate and elevate with two strikes and be unpredictable. And, like, you know, I can't really believe I'm saying this about the Orioles, but it's true. Like, you, you better – you know, I'm not saying they're playing with house money. I think that's over. I think these Given, dudes, these, these yeah. guys get it now like they get it that they're a pretty good team. They got a lot of confidence. But they, they do. They, but got they, a, also, they got a manager who's doing who's pushing all the right buttons. They also too. have they also have less. They got a great bullpen. They also have less. Great pr- they, have, they have less pressure on them than just, oh, than, no than just about any team no in the American League other than the Oakland Athletics who know they're going to stink. Nobody else. Well, you could argue that in the American League East anyway. Oh, by far. Oh, no question. By far. Yeah, yeah. Put it this way. Which manager loses his job if their team doesn't make the playoffs in the Jace. AL East? Well, no, but I'm saying – which manager – Yes, I told you. Yeah, but which season would be if, – if the Orioles don't make the playoffs, 
people are and people are going to go, well, okay, you know, they had a good year last year. They're taking a step forward. Boston doesn't make the playoffs. I mean, you know, the Yankees, yeah, all these guys have long-term contracts. But I'm saying if they don't make the playoffs, Aaron Judge is not coming back next year. That's I mean, just Boone, the case. Aaron Boone. Aaron, Aaron, Boone isn't, Aaron Boone isn't coming back next year. Aaron Boone, yeah, unfortunately, <laughs> Judge will be there. Aaron Boone isn't coming back next year. <laughs> yeah. so the Baltimore Orioles are the one team. No question. Uh, that, uh, I mean, in, in a way, maybe not house money is the right word, but they're certainly the one team that's got zilch for pressure on them. You know, but, I mean, that's too easy to say. There's pressure when you're a ball player because you want to make money, you want to have a good year. So everybody's got – Cedric Mullins has got pressure on him. He wants to have a good year. Gunnar Henderson's got pressure on him because they got a lot of good young players in that organization. He doesn't want to lose a step. Adley Rushman has pressure on him because everybody tells him that he's one of the best young players in the game, could be the best catcher in the game right now. But that's a different type of – that's pressure to perform individually. That's pressure that you can control – that's different than having the entire baseball world think that you should win the World Series. Well said. Uh, 416-413-3959 is the back leg line. Mr. Boffo. Kelly in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Kelly. Nice. Kelly. I'm kind of curious about two things. Number one, why have Nathan Lucas on our roster if he doesn't get any playing time? Is his uh, development not more... No. Better no. handled at no. AAA level. And secondly, <laughs> no. what is the khakis infatuation with Biggio all about? Thank you. Okay, well, uh, we'll, we'll answer Nathan Lucas first of all. Nathan, Nathan, there's no development with Nathan Lucas. Absolutely he's not. a uh, he's like 28, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, that, he a, is what he is, what he is, what he is, what he is. There it is. That's why they, that basically that's why he's on the team. And honest to God, if you said to Nathan Lucas, would you rather go down to Buffalo and or, play or every day or leagues. hang out in the big league roster and oh, play once every five days? Okay. I think I might do that. I'll be okay with doing that. Yeah, I think I might do that. <laughs> do, you, do you want to go to the Kevin Bishio? Because I do it a lot. No, you do it. I do. I, well, well, this is what I, how I'm going to answer that. I'm going to, I'm going to answer this with a question to you, Jeff. Thanks. When do we There's stop? There's a reason I put you in the when spot. When do we stop talking about the 25th, 26th guy on the roster? Well, when? Because when we talk about Kevin Biggio at least one time after the game, at least two times on this show. We're running out of things to say here. Like, I, I don't know what people want. Every time they ask the question about Kevin Biggio, what, what is the answer exactly the answer, well, that the they're answer, looking the for? The answer is what the, is it? The, 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 I mean, the, I don't, I don't the know. Eight, the eight pitch out, he can play good defense. He's a good base runner. You don't have to play him every day. And his back path profiles against one certain type with of pitcher. a curveball that a dude throws yeah. three times an outing. Like, is that what the answer? I We can't give the answer any differently one one time you ask it to the de- next day you ask it like I, that's the but, thing here is but, I but don't the know what the is, answer okay but but it's a it's a fair question because he keeps showing up in situations like it's it it'd be different if he here's the thing if he was Nathan Lucas we wouldn't be talking about it but he plays now I mean Nathan Lucas is on a witness protection program for yeah, the most he went part like five days but, without playing because everybody Kevin, was healthy and then he when got everybody's then he got not cut. healthy and you have to play him that's sort of where he's at now yeah but the point. That's why the point is he's been around for three years. It's it's understandable that people would 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 I be asking this question. You've had a guy in your roster for three years who really hasn't done much. I, I guess I'd rather throw it off on George Springer or Matt well, Chapman nobody, again, or, or Varsho or Kevin. I, that's me, Kevin. Nobody's blaming Kevin Bidjo for the record, but it's a legit question. Why is he still here? 
That's a legit question. I didn't think the caller, the caller wasn't blaming Kevin Biggio for, for the year. We, we, but people want to know, people want to know why a guy is on a team well, and continues to be put out there in positions where he can affect the game he play, and he doesn't come he, through. He can play multiple positions is why. That's one reason. And the second reason is the manager likes him. That's two reasons. And the khaki does like the eight pitch out. All right, okay. There's three reasons. Like, I again, I don't know how you can answer it. Seven Blaine in Truro, Nova Scotia. That's all I'm saying. I'm just trying to see what your opinion is on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, as far as his contract going forward, uh, which which Vladdy do you do you try to price? The Vladdy of two years ago or the Vladdy of last year and this year? Appreciate your comments. Thanks very much. That's a great question. I'm going to say something really controversial. I don't think I signed Vladdy to a long-term contract. I think I go year to year with him. I've got a three-year window here. If I don't win something in the next two years, three years, yeah, then, I think it's fair. Then I got to move on. Yeah. I, then, then I have to do something. Then, then the core ain't working. I, I that's the way I look at it. That's that's the way you've got three years, and if you don't win in that time, then you move on. And yeah, and, and, and if Vladdy, if 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 you, Vladdy's gonna get, Vladdy's gonna get paid going year to year. Now he might want to. You know, a bit more this year, mm -hmm. but there's no reason Vladdy can't be making a crap ton of money. Absolutely. Vladdy's going to be making thirty million eventually, going year to year. No question. I mean, he just is. He'll make a lot of money. He he, he will make a ton of money. But um, the, but the question is, would you give him the? I don't know the number ten at three. I don't know. Fifty. I need. I don't would know. You? I wouldn't. That's I a know. lot. I don't think I'd give anybody that. I yeah. I don't. I don't know right now. I I honestly don't. Um, I think the fact that it hasn't been done tells us something. That's a great question, though. It is No, it's a great question. It is a tremendous question. It's a great question, but it is, it, it really kind of gets to, it, it, it gets to what, it gets to what you think of Vladdy. Is it fair to say it, de it depends on how the season ends for the Jays? Year after year and after you, year, but you see, does that does that is that fair to say about the play? Uh, the, I don't know because how, after, how you pay the player after this year, you've got two years left. Yeah, like I know if, that. If you but, have, but if you haven't gotten it done by now, you're. It is a little odd that they haven't. We know they've talked about it, but as far as we can tell, they've never come close. Not even not even in the same uh, area code. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, um, yeah, I, I that's interesting. I don't know. I I might not. Uh, I might go year to year. Again, as long as the guy isn't, as long as Vladdy isn't being, you know, isn't isn't being paid ten million dollars a year less than he should be paid. Sure, that I think it's pretty simple, Marcus. Uh, we'll be joined by Ben McDonald, Orioles analyst, at uh, eleven a.m. and. Um, John Schneider, the manager of the Blue Jays, will join us for his regular uh, weekly hit at uh, 11.30. A reminder again, tonight's game is uh, Apple TV. So uh, you'll be able to catch it on Sportsnet 590. Fan. Mm. Ben Wagner will have listen a call to the radio. Ben, ben will do a really good job. Yeah, listen, listen, to, listen to the radio. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Caleb doing it too, I think, with Ben. I don't know. I don't want to say that, and it's not true. Caleb's probably going on. Probably. Thanks for telling me. <laughs> Andy and Georgina. Andy. Appreciate uh, the segment and the platform. 
I don't know whose uh, brainchild it was or who deserves credit. I just had a couple of comments on this last series with the Yankees uh, regarding the cheating and fake cheating. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering why, you know, the whole pine tar thing isn't, I mean, cheating is cheating, water's wet. Why MLB doesn't impose the same penalty as steroids? I mean, two starts, a 10-game suspension, you know, two starts, maybe one, you know, if there's a, an off day. If they would implement, you know, like an 80-game suspension, I mean, a team can stay afloat for a couple of starts. Yeah, uh, I mean, thanks for the call. I mean, here's the thing, because the gray area with the sticky hand thing is, I, I, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to, it's up to the umpire. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a medical test for it. Nope. Right. You, you can't, there's not a drug test that proves conclusively that you've used a, a substance. There isn't. It'd be a tough sale. Yeah. It, and, and yeah, and never mind not the players. I mean, the players would be on strike if he tried to bring no it No question. And I also, you know, let's be clear. Uh, I, I've mentioned this. There's cheating and then there's nudge, nudge, wink, wink, cheating. And the sticky stuff is nudge, nudge, wink, wink, cheating. Yeah, but it's getting to the point where the, the, it's, it's getting. And, and the other thing like, I'm going like, to say, no, I'm going to say this now. Just think about this. Just think about this. Two starts. You don't have Chris Bassett for two starts. Yeah, it's hard. Um, two starts is not something to be. I'll tell you what, the New York Mets, they have not recovered from, from the Scherzer stuff, coupled with Justin Verlander's injury. Been tough on them. I mean, they just haven't. So yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't poo-poo it that much. But the bottom line is, it's also, it's a, it's, it's a reflection of the fact that everybody's doing something to get a grip on the baseball, and they're not always caught. That's what I think it is. I think, I think ten games is, um, I, I mean, I think, I think it's more, ten, it's more about the public saying how, how dumb can you be. <laughs> that's a little bit of I mean, it too, what, right? That's you, a little bit of it, too. Where you could go, where you could go, is you could suspend the manager in addition for three games. That would be interesting. Yeah. Because to me, having one of your players tossed out for using an illegal substance, like in the case of Domingo Herman. Yeah, he bears the brunt of it because he did. But come on, you know Aaron Boone knew that he no did question. it. You know Matt Blake no knew that he did. Oh, no it. question. You know his catcher knew that he oh, did. Oh, absolutely. He was you throwing know, the ball back. You know the guy that he sits beside on the bus knew that he yeah, did it. Yeah. You know the guy he sits beside in the, on the plane knew that he did it. Yeah. So I, I I mean there's there's yeah, it's on him, but there's also a lot of complicity and maybe maybe there has to be you know, some people have even suggested that you strip a team of a draft pick. I mean, if you really want to cut it out. If you really want to cut anything out, uh-huh. then you strip a team of the draft of a draft pick. And the way to do it's very simple. You say every team is basically allow them one violation a year. Second violation, you lose a draft pick. Mm. You could do that. If you really want to cure something, you take it off the individual and put it Eliminate in the system. Eliminate the process. It's, exactly. It, so, it sounds like the these process. guys that are getting busted, it's a process. You put this, you put that, you put this again, you put that again. Yeah. Like it's a process they're doing. Eliminate the process. Yeah. Let's go, yeah. To J- let's go to James in Halifax. James. Just wondering why they're pitching 
to judge? I don't understand. A great question. Got one guy beating you after the first game. Why wouldn't they just walk him or nothing on the plate whatsoever? Like complete four pitches walk. I do not understand why it's a coaching issue and the coach has got to be something has to be done about it. It's brutal to have one guy beat you when you have nobody behind him that can hit. That's fair. Yeah, I, I mean, you answered this first. I kind of view it a little differently. You do? Yeah. I, th- I think there is a little bit of that. How dare you come to my place? There's yeah. no way I'm going to walk you. I've been pretty good so far. This is being brios. I'm, if I make a decent pitch, I'm going to get you out. I know I'm going to get you out. Just don't throw it down the middle. What you do, you throw it down the middle. I do think there's a little bit of that mono mono thing. I'm not certain that I want Kevin Gossman and Chris Bassett intentionally walking yeah, in, Judge. It's a, it'd be a tough look, especially what went on Yeah, at home. And then on top of it, you're going to walk the dude. Yeah. I think there's a little bit of that. But you got to be fair, big times, and which they did. I think they walked him late in the game to, to get to Rizzo, and it worked out. Yeah. Yeah, I, you got to be not, smart when you do it, but occasionally it's got to. You got to see if your stuff's any good, and I think that's what they were going through there. Yeah, I. It's a little bit of that. It's an easy. It's an easy answer. It's an easy answer to everything. He's just put the guy on. It's base a fair question, though. It is a fair question. But yeah, I can't, man. I can't. All ask. the time would be a tough look, though. Yeah, but he's not even walking to the uh, to the plate. He's just going from the on deck circle to first. I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm paying. Yeah. Ke- I'm ke- paying Kevin Gossman and Chris Bassett to get dudes out, and yes. Aaron Judge is really good, but I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if you went to Kevin Gossman and said, we're walking Aaron Judge four times, you might have Fight. might have to be a discussion about that. No question. And I'll tell you what. Tough sale. Position players wouldn't be all that thrilled either. Ben McDonald is the Orioles analyst. He's a former number one draft pick. He'll join us next. John Schneider as well. Big hour coming up. It's Blair and Barker on 590-360 and wherever you get your favorite podcast. In-depth Blue Jays coverage with an analytical twist. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. A reminder that we'll be moving to 5 to 7 on Monday, Victoria Day. So we'll be your drive show, your pregame show. You're all things baseball. Yes. And uh, we'll you still, want to know it. We'll still be doing Blue Jays talk. I'm here. What do you want to do it's an true. ad? true. I just did one. It ain't bragging if it's true. <laughs> the Baltimore Orioles are 28 and 16, folks. They're that is coming. Crazy. They are coming to break your hearts. <laughs> Yeah, it could happen. You thought it that Aaron happen. Judge leaving town, You, we all exhaled because Aaron Judge was leaving town. Oh, boy. Here come the Orioles. The 28-16 and 16 Orioles. They start a three-game series against the Jays tonight at the Rogers Center. First pitch is at 7.07. Kyle Gibson on the mound for the Orioles. You say Kikuchi. Who's 5-0. and oh. Yeah, he is. Even though wins and losses. They're going hard. For pitcher. Good for him. About time. Well, we talked about this with both Barrios and Kikuchi. You're getting, you're getting what you need out of your starting pitching for the win. most part, with the with the exception of Alec Manoa. A chance to win four or five. Absolutely, it's great. You've just you've you've played the Braves, the Yankees, your four and three, and your starters other than Manoa have done the job. I mean, that's 
if, if you're looking for, for a silver lining, yeah. this ain't on the pitchers, is what I'm trying to say. Boom. That yeah. series loss is not on the pitchers. I mentioned the Orioles are coming into town. They are uh I think they're I think they're the best story in baseball this year. They're twenty eight and sixteen. They're in second place. They're fun to watch. They have got a ton, mm-hmm. a ton of young players on the way in addition to the young players they already have. Uh, this isn't a little engine that could story, folks. This is, a, this is a team with a lineup that is doing a lot of damage. Ben McDonald is the Orioles analyst on Masson. We're very pleased that he's taking time out. Ahead of a college assignment, I yes. do believe, to join us on Blair and Barker. So you're off to cover a little SEC baseball, are you? Yeah, man, good to be with you guys. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I've been with the Orioles for about a month now, and uh, the way my schedule works out, I have a commitment to about four or five weeks of the college game now with the uh, SEC tournament starting up next week. Then we got a regional and a super regional. Then we'll go to the College World Series and call that. So, yeah, I'm about to get heavy in the college game for a while, but I'm kind of looking forward to it. I've, I've only done one college game the last seven weeks, and so kind of looking forward to getting a, a little playoff baseball in the college game, you know. Well, I'm, I was going to say, my sense is that when you come back, you'll be calling more, possibly more playoff baseball with the Orioles, the way things are going. I mean, Ben, they, again, this is, they're not the little engine that could, are they? This is a really, really good team. Yeah, I think last year they were. I think a lot of people kind of took the Orioles for granted, and why wouldn't they? I mean, I mean, you go back and look, the Orioles lost, what, 115 games in 18. They lose 108 in 19. Then you have the COVID year, and then they lose 110 in 21, and they improved that by 31 wins last year and go 83 and 79 overall. And so, yeah, I think they kind of got on the radar last year, snuck up on some people. I don't think they're sneaking up on people this year. As you mentioned, I think people recognize the young nucleus that they have at the big league level and the younger players in that number one minor league system in all of baseball that are eventually going to make it to Baltimore. And they got out of the gates quickly this year. That's something they didn't do last year. They were slow in the month of April. They got out quickly this year. And look, 28-16 and, you know, second-best record in all of Major League Baseball. I got to admit it, it's a little bit of a surprise, although I thought this team could at least repeat what it did last year. A lot of the pundits thought that the Orioles would probably back up because normally when you overachieve by 31 games, you know, there's normally – you take a little backtrack, and most of the projections had the Orioles winning in the mid-70s, but they're certainly on pace to win a heck of a lot more than that. Ben, ben, it's a process. Winning's a process. What What's the next process for the Orioles? I really think it's just experience with this young group that they have. It's the fourth youngest roster in all of Major League Baseball, uh, you know, with Rutschman and Mountcastle and Santander, and of course the, the kid over at third base, who's 21, Gunnar Henderson, you know. And, and you guys know all about young prospects and, and young talent. You guys have as much talent as anybody in the youngsters that are there in Toronto as well. But as you know, it's tough to grow at the big league level and learn. And you'll see Grayson Rodriguez, who will pitch for the Orioles tonight, who's the number one pitching prospect in baseball. He's gotten roughed up a few times. You know, it's kind of been he's 23, he's learning how to pitch at the big league level, and it's either been really good or really bad for him so far this year. And so he's trying to learn and figure out, okay, on my bad days, how can I make it not so bad, right? Instead of giving up seven or eight, maybe I give up four to keep my team in the ballgame. So he's learning at a lot of different levels. But I think that's the next step for the Orioles. I think the other step is, and the other piece is to it, you know, is there a trade coming for the Orioles down the road somewhere? A lot of minor league talent down there. Michael Lyons, as you guys know, is, is our GM, and 
he kind of helped rebuild the Astros as the assistant GM many years ago, and they made some trades when they had some overabundance of talent. I feel like that's what's going to eventually happen with the Orioles to go get a real, you know, like number one or number two starting pitcher that's out there because the Orioles do have a weak spot, although our starting uh, rotation has been really good as of late. If they do have a weak spot, it probably needs some help and some depth in that department. It would be in that rotation. You know, one of the things I find really intriguing about this team as well is there is an awful lot of young talent, and you're right. I mean, I don't think there's any team positioned to do damage at the trade deadline the way the Orioles are because they're, they're guys knocking on the door too. I mean, we had, I think it was Jeff Passan on the other yep. day saying, you know, Jackson Holiday, I, he, he's a guy. These guys are all close. They've got three position players who are close. And the thing that I find really interesting about this is Gunnar Henderson, who you talked about, I mean, he has not, it's not been a great start for him, but you know what? Because the team is so good, because everybody's contributing, you can, you can keep him in the majors and you can kind of ride that learning curve with him. And I kind of think that's, that's kind of a cool thing, isn't it? Yeah, no, I think it is. You know, it's nice, you know, and look, if, if it was 18, 19, 20, or 21, we wouldn't even be talking about Gunnar Henderson or Grayson Rodriguez potentially being spit down for not performing because those were the learning years as far as, you know, trying to evaluate talent. And, and when you're that far below 500 and out of the race, nobody cares, right? And, mm-hmm. But now the world are trying to win now and, and have a real shot of winning, and it's a good start. They're a victim of their own success in some mm-hmm. ways because the fans are starting to grumble a little bit about, Oh my God, Gunnar Henderson's hitting 200. You know, he's supposed to be the AL rookie of the year. Grayson Rodriguez is supposed to be the number one pitching prospect in baseball, and he gave up eight runs his last time out. So people are starting to grumble a little bit this year because of the expectations and how the, the start's been for the Orioles right now. But to your point, yeah, Gunnar Henderson is still flying under the radar in some ways because you've got Santander and you got Mount Castle and you got Rutschman and you got others that are performing at a very high level. And this team is winning. And as you guys know, winning takes care of a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. You know, and so. As long as they continue to win, and look, it's not all bad for Gunnar Henderson because he did get a lot of walks. His own base percentage is pretty solid. Just the numbers aren't quite there yet. But I'll tell you this, he's made some big strides the last week, I think. He's looking to hit the ball. He's hitting the ball a lot harder. He's hitting it more consistently. So he seems to be starting to come out of the funk. But I sit back and I remember myself at 21 years old and how difficult it was when I came straight from college to the big leagues. And it's not an easy game, guys. It's not. And when you're 21 and you're supposed to be a junior at the University of Auburn is where Gunnar Henderson could be right now, and he's at the big league level facing the best arms in the world, it can be difficult from time to time. But all in all, he, he's a tough kid mentally. He's learning and he's getting better every day. Yeah, he's hit. Uh, he's got a six-game hitting streak going for the first time in his career. He's reached base safely, I think, in nine straight games, ten straight games. So you're right. It, it's uh, you, you like – you, you like it's nice when people tell you that hey you know you're you're doing well we're happy with your development and all that but you do like to see it reflected every now and then on the scoreboard don't you you like to look up and see that those those numbers going north instead of going south no no doubt and for a young player that that matters a lot you know a lot of young players you know if they're swinging it well the plate the defense is out and too they start to scuffle with the plate and all of a sudden the defense takes a step backwards you know and so it's a difficult time I think the Orioles do and have believed in him and keep saying all the right things about we're going to stick with him, we're going to be patient. I think that helps a young player to know that every performance doesn't mean a chance of being sitting back down to triple A, you know. And I think another thing that's happened, too, and it's unfortunate for the Orioles, but Ramon Urias, our gold glove third baseman, you know, had a hamstring issue about 10 days ago. He's on the IL, and him and Gunner were kind of split in time. Well, Gunner knows now that he's going to be plugged into third base just about every day because of the injury to Urias, and I think – that's also helped his psyche, too, to know that when he comes to the ballpark, 
he ain't got to check the lineup card. He's going to be on the lineup card every day. So I think that's helped him in a lot of ways as well. Ben, is Tyler Wells a finished product, or can he get better? Um, it's pretty, it's pretty damn good product. I'm gonna yeah. tell you, from yeah. a Rule Five guy, you know, from a Rule Five guy three years ago uh, to being a, a guy that look, a lot of people forgot about it. And it, here's what upset me about this past offseason: the, the media around Baltimore talking about how well Tyler Wells could be in the rotation, probably gonna be a bullpen piece. I'm sitting back going, wait a minute, where were you guys at last year when his first 18 starts of the year he pitched to a 3.2 ERA? He was the, he was the ace of the staff last year before he had some oblique issues and eventually a little shoulder issue. And so I was not surprised when he was in the rotation to begin with. And I love him. I mean, it's it's. It's an old-school approach, guys, where it's fastball command. He's not afraid to pitch to contact. Although he can strike you out when he needs to, he's not afraid to pitch to contact. And he wants to go out there and work as deep in the ball games as he can. And the only, he knows the only way he can do that is if he limits his pitches per inning and has a low pitch count as he gets into the sixth and the seventh inning, you know. And so um, he, he is really good. I think there's something there left for Tyler Wells, I really think, that he can get a little bit sharper with some of his off-speed pitches and just get a little bit more consistent with it, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But I love him. Like, he's, you know, he's a real dude. And I'm going to tell you, I mean, he gave up three yesterday. He gave up three early, uh, but then a couple of shutouts after that. But he's the real ace. I mean, he's the real ace of this staff right now. There's no doubt about that. You know, it's interesting. Last year, of course, everybody talked about the Baltimore Orioles and their ability to put together a bullpen, a really good bullpen. Um, you know, this year, of course, Yenny A. Cano has, 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 has come up and is basically almost been as perfect as you can be as a reliever. But Brian Baker, a guy that was in this organization, and Jays really didn't seem to know what to do with him. I think he leads the Orioles in appearances. And he, could, could he be that guy this year that, is just, that just supersedes everybody's expectations out of the bullpen, Ben? Baker is a huge part of that. Now, a 
little bit concerned for me about our bullpen is kind of what it was last year. If our starters can't give a little bit more length, and they've been doing better at that, our bullpen's going to get used up. I think Baker's already got 19 or 20 appearances already this year, you know, and some of the other guys have a lot of appearances too. So it's going to be important for our, our starters to give a little bit more length as we get through the season to kind of save some of those arms down at bullpen. Ben, how has Brandon Hyde grown as a manager? Man, it was tough to evaluate Hyder early because everybody else was playing chess and he was playing checkers. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. We had a high triple A we had a high triple A team up here in eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and twenty one, and that's not a knock on any of our players. Like but we didn't have a whole lot of big league dudes up here compared to others out there. So it was hard to to kind of grade and look at how Hyder was gonna manage the team now. Fast forward to last year when he had a few more pieces to work with and even more pieces to work with this year. You're starting to see a very talented manager that, that can platoon and mix and match guys and, and lineups along the way in different positions. Uh, I really like him. I tell you, my number one thing about managers as a ball player and what I see out of Hyder is communication. And he is communicating with his guys every day. Everybody knows what their roles are, what potentially could happen in a series, what could happen in today's game. And he's a wonderful communicator. He has his players back. He's going to go out there. He's going to get thrown out of the ball games. He's going to protect his own. And as a manager, man, as a player, that's all I can hope for, the guy that has my back. And Hyder certainly has that. And look, this team has taken on his identity the last couple of years. It's, it's a tough it's a tough identity, and it's an Oriole team, as you guys know, that was beat on for a while the last four or five years. They kind of started beating back a little bit, uh, and it's beating back again this year. You know, it's starting to punch back in some ways, and I think Hyder deserves a lot of credit for that because it's a pretty tough old-school mentality that he brings to the ballpark every day, and his players have kind of taken on that role. Ben, really good of you to join yeah. us today. Great insight. That's Thanks awesome. so much. Be well and enjoy the enjoy yeah, the college fun. circuit, my friend. Thanks, Ben. Anytime, guys. Love visiting with you guys. Take care. Awesome. Take care. Ben McDonald, Orioles analyst, the Masson Network. He was a former first-round pick in 1989. I, 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 the only reason I ask about the, the Hyde thing is I, I would think it's not easy to grow with your team. Like, That's that, a fair that, point. Yeah, that, can't, that point. can't be easy, right, when you're, when you're sort of used to losing – and, and you don't really have an Orioles way, and you're trying to find what the Orioles way is. Is it winning? Like, is when when is the when is the line drawn in the sand to where we've had enough? Right. Is it the talent? Is it you're calling up the right guy? Is it when you call up your catcher? I when is it? That can't be the easiest thing it, to do for a manager. You know, and I, I was thinking with the Orioles coming in town with the bullpen. We've talked about the Jays bullpen. You know what I keep thinking of? I keep thinking of Jason Adam. Yeah, who was it with the Jays? And Brian Baker, now he had 66 appearances last year. Uh, his whip last year was 1.23. He leads the Orioles in appearances this year. Uh, he's already got how many innings? What was I just looking at here? He's got 21 innings, uh, 27 strikeouts, 13 walks. Opponents are hitting 188 against him. I mean, he, he, his whip is 124. Mm -hmm. But as good as he was last year, Kevin, he shaved 42 percentage points off sure. opponents' average against. And, you know, if you do some reading on him, he he's a guy that this thing is going to be in flux. He's a guy whose role in that bullpen is, is going to is just is going to continue is going to continue to grow. And you know he may be his ERA is a, is a, it's a run a game less. So yeah. now, you, now, you now couple locate, him with Cano, he's located with power now, which yeah. is the is, is the big difference. And I do remember last year he don't like the Jays. He hates the Jays. So oh, you cannot like put it Jays. any other way. Oh, he don't like them. He was got he which got into nice. it with Vladdy. Oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, good for him.
Well, I mean, you know, guys, former guys in the in the organization. Um, yeah, I, and the Orioles are tired of being pushed around. I think. Yeah, I think that's where they're at. Yeah, I I I think they are, but it's also it, it, thinking back to what Jim Bowden said about the Orioles. You know, Mike Elias has done a very nice job, kind of getting getting bullpen guys sure. that nobody's really thought of. Obviously, drafting guys. Now, though. He's got to make the trade. Yeah. And the need is obvious. Mm-hmm. The, uh, what you've got to trade is, again, how many, or- to get it? how many organizations have three minor league hitters who are, could be up this year. Yeah, if yeah. you had to, if you had to, you'd, and as, as Passon said, if you had to, you'd crisis situation, multiple injuries in September, you probably bring Jackson holiday. No up. question. How many organizations have that? Not many. So, if there if there's a starting pitcher out there who's a Lucas Giolito, yeah. What if they're in second place come the break? What what, if, what do you do? Do you do you do you hold, or you do you go for it? I mean, if I'm in second place at the break, I, if I can get a pitcher who's got a year, I don't know. I don't know if I'd go all in and get a guy with a year left. But if I would, almost rather I've got so many good. See, I've got good young players. I've also got veteran players I could move that other teams might like. I might try to get a guy that I've got control of for two or three years. Maybe. I might aim a little higher might. than simply who the most available potential free agent might, starter is. Might depend on how far behind the third place is team behind you. Like if say if say say let's say the Yankees. Say the Yankees are a game and a half behind the Orioles at the break. Do you go all in? Do you, do you do you trade something you See, thought I you think, might may not have traded I think at the beginning gr- of the season? I don't I think that's a great thing about the Orioles. I don't think there's an all in for them. Ah, that's a good point. Because they're so deep. Yeah. What's all in? Yeah, it's a great that's a great trade question. your top position prospect. I, you got two we, more guys. We may not know that yet. Yeah. They may tell us. I mean that it, it is it's a fascinating it is. situation to be in. But yeah, make make no mistake. Uh quite honestly. <clears throat> If you offered me any lineup and any minor league system in the AL East right now and said you can pick any of those, which one do you want? I'd go to I'd take the Orioles in, in a in half a millisecond. Well, they've earned it. I would take them in they, half a millisecond. They they stunk for a long time. They, they certainly they did. earned it. There's a lot of <laughs> they they earned that bad or that good minor league there's system. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of tread marks on, <laughs> oh, on yeah. the back of this on the back of that no organization. Question. Uh, that is interesting about Tyler Wells, though. He's very quietly. Uh, he went into yesterday with the lowest whip in base. Whip is 0.72. He's that not was better than Zach Gallons. It's better than Eduardo Rodriguez. Yeah. Eduardo Rodriguez, think he's going to end up in the AL East with somebody? Bullpen ERA. The Orioles' bullpen ERA is 289. It's ahead of the Mariners, the Astros, the Yankees, and the Guardians. I mean, that's... Better get the starter. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you, you better, you got if you got any plan going into this series, you better get to start. You get Kyle Kyle Gibson tonight. Grayson Rodriguez pitches tomorrow against Alec Manoa. Dean Kramer better get to start uh, against Kevin Gossman. Yeah, you do not want to. On the to. sixth inning, you're going to get it. And we didn't. We haven't even talked about was 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 Ryan Mountcastle the dude to hit all those home runs against the Jays last year? Yeah, he's kind of he's barreled up a lot of balls, but he really hasn't. He got need, it going he needs yet. To see the sort of like Aaron <laughs> Judge hadn't needs. got it going, right? <laughs> Brian.
Brian, if you're listening, just a hint. Don't side eye. Don't look into the Orioles. Or don't do, look into the Orioles or, dugout. It's not against the rules. Do what you have to. Yeah. It's interesting, yeah. by the way, Brandon Hyde, their manager, was one of the candidates for the opening mm-hmm. here when John Gibbons was let go. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting to see how he would have fit on a team that is going for it than a team that's rebuilding and yeah. then now will go for it. It's a big difference. Yeah. Like there's expectations that see, like, and- like, like, like Snyder has sort of fallen into, boy, it's go time. Like every single move is just how dare you? Why did you? What? Are yeah. you kidding me? Brandon's not sort of like that, right? There's there's room for, you know what? Though it is that that, that dude, I'm just not gonna pitch him today. I mean, it's okay if I don't pitch him. Well, we saw he he it was very interesting about two weeks ago. I think when we did around the or in the east, um, when you there was a game where he didn't use Cano and Batista. And he said before the game he wasn't going to use them, not because they were down, not because the chart had a little was colored red on them. He said, "I just don't think I need to use them." Basically, what and he's saying is, about September with he, those two. Big basically, guys. what he's saying about it is, you know, if I lose today, and these guys are both available for a game, and you know what I mean, I'm I. He's not going to come out and what, say, I'll take if, the loss. But what if that's John basically was to say that? That's the difference, right? Yeah. That That's absolutely. Yeah, that's how you got to. Absolutely. There's a, it's a different way of managing that you can't when you're expected. I mean, no. air quotes to win a World Let's Series. Face it. It, also, it also and helps. They got more weapons. I was going to say, a it, lot more weapons. it also helps when you can sit those two guys and here comes Brian Baker. Uh, it, it, you know what I mean? It, it's, it's. Well, to your point, Nate Pearson. I don't know. I don't. I don't think you wanted to talk about Nate Pearson today. You were so disappointed in him yesterday. That's not true. It's just the fact of how fired up you were about a dude that get that gave up a home run <laughs> and a double to to one dude that's not hitting a buck fifty. Because we're that's not, the difference. Because not that I'm not excited about the fourteen ninety nine mile an hour haters. Yeah, I'm game. Don't throw it down the middle. That's all. I was just I was just a little shocked that my buddy, who I know very well, was as excited as he was. The heart rate for you was through the roof. It was not that. It was through, through the, roof. the roof. I may have been yeah. a little over caffeinated, but it you was were, not <laughs> You no. were you were fired up and you yelled at me. Which well, yeah, is very because, odd that time of night about Nate Pearson. Well, the only reason I Yeah, yeah it's odd. The only reason the only reason <laughs> I yelled, the only reason I yelled is because we've been saying for two years, give me a hundred, give me a hundred, give me a hundred, give me a hundred. Here I, comes a hundred four times. Here comes ninety nine ch- fourteen times. My my mindset has changed a little bit with the three two slider. Call me crazy. Yeah. That's all. Give and me, I said, and I said, let's see it a couple okay. of times in all a right. row. Let's see it a couple of times in a row. I did find it interesting that that outing happened on the same day that Adam Simber resurfaced. Although I've got to think of a moves to be made. It's got to be. Well, how long does Thomas Hatch have to stay, have to stay up here now? Who? Thomas Hatch was promoted, what? right? <laughs> so, anyhow. Uh, John Schneider is manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Ask John. Uh, he'll know. They've come, off a, uh, they've come off a tough series. That, a, a lot going on in that series uh, with the New York Yankees in the dugout, on the field off the field as well. Uh, the last couple of games against the Yankees, it was just kind of got back to baseball, I think, 
it's safe to say in the last couple of games, they were good games too. Danny Jansen's walk off. And then last night, even though the Jays lost, last night was a it was a pretty compelling game. There was a lot going on. We mentioned the Baltimore Orioles are in town for three. They're a handful. John Schneider's manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. We'll see what he thinks the Orioles have in store for them. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, a reminder, we're shifting to uh, 5 to 7 on Monday. <laughs> and we'll be doing, we'll still be doing Blue Jays talk post-game. We'll do it tonight. I'm sure. It's been heated the last yeah, we go, No, no, nights. no, it was heated last night because you were just, I don't think you really had anything else to talk about. I was, I was liked what easy, I saw from Nate That was an easy one. I liked what I saw from Nate Pearson. What can I say? Uh, the Yankees have left town. Uh, Aaron Judge is gone. Uh, but the Baltimore Orioles are coming in for three games. And as we just <clears throat> spoke to Ben McDonald, and of course, you know, you look at the standings, the Baltimore Orioles have proven to be a handful this year. They're a, a good young team. And pitching's been a little wobbly at times. But, um, I mean, they're hanging in in the best division. They're more than hanging in in the best division in baseball. It'll be a good test for the Toronto Blue Jays. First pitch tonight is 7.07. Uh, Yusei Kikuchi will put his unblemished record on the mound for the Blue Jays against Kyle Gibson of the Orioles. John Schneider is the manager of the Blue Jays, and we're very pleased that John Schneider joins us in Blair and Barker. John, thanks so much for taking time out to talk to us today after... Well, how would you... How would you describe that series against the Yankees, John? Mm-hmm. Uh, eventful. <clears throat> uh, I think it was a series in which, uh, you know, we missed a lot of opportunities offensively, I think. And, you know, we fully expect our guys to, you know, be a little bit more consistent than that. Um, you know, we didn't handle Aaron judge. Well, he's a very big part of their offensive team and, um, he did a lot of damage. So that was kind of what was going on. Um, just lack a little bit of consistency and, um, you know, obviously when you play a team, you know, it seems like four-game series, things can get a little bit more heated than three just because you're out there a lot. Yeah, yeah. I was, you know, you guys did a really good job of handling Aaron Judge. You know, if you look at the numbers from last, I think it was like May 11th or May 13th, I mean, the numbers it just fell off the cliff for the most part. He had the one home run against Tim Mesa, but by and large, you guys really did a number on him and and were able to control him more than just about any other team in baseball. What, was it just a matter of execution in this series? Because I've, I've got to think, I mean, I've got to think the strategy was the same or, or the, the approach was the same, was it not? Yeah, for sure. It just comes down to execution with him. You know, if you look back, you know, the year he had last year and into this year when he's doing damage, it's just balls in the middle of the zone. And I think when you have a have a hitter that's up there that, uh, is a power threat. I think, you know, you got to really focus on making your pitches. And sometimes pitchers, you know, they, they're almost a little bit too careful and they make mistakes. So our approach is the same. Our execution was just um, not as good. Uh, challenges with runners in scoring position. Obviously, you know that you're closer than we are. You, you see it firsthand. Is, 
How do you look at that, John? As a manager, you know, a lot of that's luck, right? Varsha's had some tough times. He's had a lot of bats. Whit Merrifield, you know, he's a run scorer, not a run producer. You know, you have some luck where just sometimes the wrong guy comes up at the wrong time. But is, is there anything you're seeing? And if you are seeing something, how do you have a better approach with guys in scoring position? Yeah, nothing really glaring that, you know, we're seeing. I think that it always comes down to getting a pitch that, you know, you can handle. Not, you know, just just a pitch you can put in play. It's a pitch that you can do damage with, right? So it's understanding where the pitcher is going to be, you know, trying to attack you. And then there's going to be at-bats where you're going to be aggressive. And there's going to be at-bats where you got to wait out, you know, a few pitches to get into that, that part that you want, the part of the zone that you want. So, I think just doing that more consistently, not only with nobody on, but with runners on base too as well. You know, I think that when we start doing that, we're going to be in a really good spot. Yeah, it's got to be frustrating for a manager too, though, because it's not, you know, it isn't, it isn't the NFL where you, you, you know, can have a, you're an offensive coordinator and you can maybe try a few different mm-hmm. pass routes or something like that, right? There's, I mean, you, you, you can't do it. You can move the, the lineup around, I guess, but it's got to be frustrating to sit there and, and watch guys just not you know, not be able to come through in in in, in situations like that how, how do you, i mean how do you handle that personally because it drives me nuts and i'm sitting up in the press box <laughs> i mean me personally I, I got all the confidence in the world in these dudes and it's it's gonna ebb and flow you know it's it's so much is matchup dependent and then you know you're facing good pitchers but you know at the same time whether you're no matter who you're facing your approach has to just be in a spot to where you can do damage and the magnitude of games, the leverage of games, you know, that plays a part of it. You got to slow yourself down and, and, and just, uh, probably focus, you know, just narrow your focus a little bit. But I mean, I, I mean, we have a really good lineup and, you know, we know that the rest of the league knows that. And I think that once we just start clicking consistently, it's going to be a really dangerous lineup. And, you know, right now, for whatever reason, it's just not—it's just not clicking. But it, it's going to. We're very confident about that. Joe, if some people say I'm not one of them to move George Springer out of the, the leadoff spot, move him somewhere—I don't know, wherever, second, wherever you wherever you would move him. Would, would do you think that helps Vet, veteran guys? You've been around long enough. You talk to veteran hitters long enough to know whether it would help a guy just by putting him in a different spot, different routine, you know, who you're hitting behind, who you're hitting in front of. Does that help? It, to me, it probably helps younger guys more than it does veteran guys. Sure. You know, um, and I think when in George's case, you know, no, I haven't thought about moving him and I'm not going to move him. And, you know, it's George is a notorious slow starter. And he's also notorious for being able to carry a team on his back, you know, mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna come with George and and um, you know we you know we feel the way we do about him for a reason we acquired him for a reason and um, I don't know if he's third or fourth all time in Major League Baseball history and lead off home runs that's that's not a bad place to start but it's uh, George is gonna be just fine and he's gonna stay wherever he is. You know the one thing in these these games against Atlanta and against New York that I think is really held true though is four of your five starting pitchers have, have really done a pretty good job. Like I, you know, it gets lost last night because it was the Yankee series and the Yankees took three or four, but I, I mean, I'll take that out of Jose Barrios every day. You know, I'll take, absolutely take that out of him every day. You've, you've, if you can just get Alec Manoa figured out, you've really, you, you've really got to like where this rotation is, don't you? Absolutely. I mean, I mean, Jose yesterday, eight strikeouts, he's making big pitch after big pitch. You know, it was, it was weird. They go, you know, 
broken bat single on a one-one changeup, followed by one mistake pitch to Judge, and then there's two runs, and then he just settles right in. You know, I think he's been he's been really good. Fastball location has been really good, and then obviously you're you're taking one pitch out of that yesterday, but he's uh, he's confident. He's de- he's delivering the ball with a lot of conviction. You can see kind of his emotion on the mound um, when he is getting big outs, which I love about him. And, you know, Chris Bassett speaks for himself. Kikuchi's been awesome. Gosden is one of the best pitchers in the game. And Manoa has the ability to be one of the best pitchers in the game. And we feel very confident that he will get back to that point. So you feel good about your rotation. I know it's been a ton of quality starts this season. And, um, you know, hopefully we can continue to rely on those guys being really consistent. John, I'm not going to ask you next uh, star for Alec Manoa if Danny Jansen is going to catch him because that's not fair. I'm just not – enough people have asked you that. So I'm not going to ask you that. We'll wait and see. But I do want to ask you, you you hear a lot of times in the people that I've talked to that Alec has really good side sessions, like the slider's coming out hot. It's located. It has lake break to it. The, the mile per hour is exactly where we want it to. Have any idea why it's not translating from that side session to the mound? Good question, Kev. Um, I think that when we've been talking about his work, it's been more so the overall execution, not the actual slider itself in the pen, okay. although that is getting better. And I think that, uh, you know, he threw, um, you know, he threw yesterday and it was it was really good again, you know, and it's, uh, you know, <laughs> it's going to happen for Alec. You know, I think in the game, comparing side to in the game, you know, obviously there's adrenaline, there's sure. an actual human being in the box, there's game situations that go into it. And I think that's where, you know, the execution part has been a little bit um, inconsistent for him this year. But, um, again, total confidence in him to figure this out. Uh, Adam Simber, I believe, is, uh, is is around the team. Would you expect to activate him for this this series? Or... Well, yeah, we'll see how he – we'll see how he is today. He was, you know, kind of just getting um, – rechecked by our staff here after throwing in Buffalo and, and kind of sticking to the plan that that we had set forth for him uh, when we did place him on the IL. So uh, we'll see how he feels today after his activity yesterday and uh, kind of go from there. Uh, Jordan Romano in his last outing threw more fastballs than sliders. John, what, what would you like to see him take from that? <laughs> that his fastball is really good. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, you know his, his slider is really good. I think that, you know, there's times to – Depending on who you're facing and depending on where you're on the lab, there's times to lean on one or the other pretty heavily. Um, I think when Jordy's really good, it's 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 a good mix of those two two pitches. You know, it's coming out of the same kind of low release point. You know, it's it's tough to really kind of get geared up for one. So um, it was pretty efficient two innings against a good lineup, and I hope he can take from that that his his pitch mix was where it should be. No, I I thought Kevin was really unfair with me last night because I got I got really excited, <laughs> frankly, about Nate Pearson. Imagine that! I got really John. excited about Nate Pearson Nate last night. Nate was awesome. Uh, well, yeah, and that's what I told Barker. That's what you've been waiting for for two years, and then you come out and yes, he gave up a home run and a double. I get that, but the point is, if Nate Pearson pitches like that more often than not, he's not going to give up a home run and a double. I mean, that that where did what was that? Just the Yankees. Was that I'm out on the mound? It's the Yankees, and there's a pretty big crowd here, and I'm just gonna go get him. That's kind of it's kind of what we've been seeing from him, just with his demeanor and his confidence, and he's, you know, in in my mind and in, in our mind, he's kind of turning a corner. You know, like okay, I 
I belong here. I mean, he's in the zone. And, you know, I think right now the, the next step is just executing at a little bit of a higher level when he is ahead. You know, I think the homer to Volpe was trying to be, it was trying to go fastball up and yanked it down. And, you know, unluckily it hits the foul pole. And then the Hicks, the Hicks double was, you know, kind of, kind of off the end a little bit. And again, with two strikes after he ripped a couple of good curveballs, you know? So I think that's what we can hope at a Nate, you know what I mean? It's, uh, I mean, if he's like that, if he's, if he's in the zone and execute on a high level and then really just putting hitters away when he, when he should be, I mean, that's, that's about as good as you're going to get. I, I don't know if you can even do this, but on a scale of one to 10, where would you put his curveball in terms of its development right now? Cause I, I just, Having a, having a dude that can throw a hundred and then flip a curve in to me is I and mean, that's like money. Yeah, I mean, you're saying ten ten being the best. Yeah. Yeah, one of It's probably it's probably at a seven right now. If yeah. I'm gonna put a number on it. You right. Know? Um, but I, I agree with you. You know, I think the whole game agrees with you that if you're landing that with a hundred to go with it at the top of the zone, it's it's that's a tough job for the hitter right there. John, do you have any idea why Bo has taken his game? Now, I hate to say it this way, but he sort of looks like offensively the things he does with his lower half. It's like the cutter last night that he hit for the home run. Didn't hit that. You know, he didn't barrel that up the way he could barrel it up. It didn't go as far, you know, I'm assuming as he wanted it to go. But that just shows you how good he is with his lower half. Kicking it to your ear, landing open, and being able to get barrel because of the way he wraps the barrel. I... John, I just don't even know how to talk about that anymore. You're you're closer. You talk to him. You ever seen him look like this at the plate? He's he's really really good right now. Um, both with less than two strikes and two strikes, um, his two strike approach. Yeah, Kev, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It's such a unique move where, you know, you can go big leg kick, land open, but still have enough body control to keep your hands back and your bat in the right path and create a whole lot of torque going forward it's um it's a very very cool thing to watch really i mean when you watch his work with t flips bp you can see how just well trained he is in that move um not an easy move to do and i think it just speaks to his athleticism and he's putting that together now with i think a better idea of what pitches you're trying to do to him and i think what we're seeing is you know, a pretty elite hitter kind of coming into his own. Okay, with that said, I got I got to ask you. You know, Vladdy does a lot of things, and, and I can't believe I'm going to doubt Vladdy a little bit here. But I I do watch him every day, and I, I am jealous with what he can do with after what how he starts. Right, he does a lot of things that all that stuff he does to get his hands started and how much they move. You know this thing. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. You you whenever you were talking about Bo knowing how pitchers are trying to attack him. And and I do think you're talking about the seventh inning last night. You were talking about Vladdy, right? The pinch hit thing, the, the swinging at the ball that maybe, right, if he if he takes it, it's 0-1. I don't care if it's 0-1, right? I'm Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You know him better than we do. Do you think he's there yet when it comes to that part of his game? Forget about the physical part. Uh, the bat speed, all that stuff. It's second to none, right? Now it's graduating to it's okay if I'm down 0-1. If I take that pitcher's pitch, force him to get what I can do, that's a double basis clearing. We win that game instead of being happy that I had a jam shot sack fly. Am I on to something or no? Jeff, that's good, man. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's 
when you do when you have that when you couple that with that approach right um with you know just proper mechanics you know i think that there's probably times where not just Vladdy, but other guys try to get a little bit too big in big spots and the mechanics get compromised a little bit but what you're talking about in terms of understanding, I mean, especially for Vlad, I mean, you understand who he is and how he's viewed by opposing pitchers and pitching staffs and knowing that they're going to, you know, yeah, pitch him in a certain way. He's gotten so much better at that. And when he's on, he can really, you know, do real damage on balls that he hammers and he can still do damage on balls that may be, you know, where the pitcher actually wants him to be. So, that's, you know, the uniqueness of Vladdy when he is on. And I think we saw that in 2021. And, you know, one of the best hitters in the league, if not the best hitter in the league. So a little bit more, I think, going forward, and not just Vlad. I think as a group we're going to talk about about having that approach to where it's, you know, there's certain dudes you got to put on, you know, put on your hard hat and go to work and grind. And there's certain guys where it's okay to be, it's okay to be one out. It's okay to be one, one, you're going to get a pitch that you can hammer, you know? So it's a, uh, it's a fine line, but I think Vladdy, like, like everyone is getting better at it and uh, he'll continue to do so. Yeah. John, with all the changes to the stadium, I think a lot of us were intrigued in seeing how it would impact the number of home runs hit here. I mean, that's kind of the first thing you think of. Vladdy hasn't homered here at home yet. Um, the team hasn't had, hasn't, I don't think that as many home runs at home as a lot of us thought they would. Is that just a thing? Like, is there any, you know, is the park playing any differently? I mean, is it going to get, do you guys think it'll get better when the roofs open more often and it's hotter? Or is that just sort of, it's just a thing, right? It's just kind of what is right now. Yeah, it's kind of weird right now. I think that guys have hit some balls they thought were going to leave um, just in terms of exit velo and launch angle and just doesn't matter what the wall looks like or where it's positioned. It usually goes out. I think it, it typically gets a little bit uh, more hitter-friendly as the weather gets a little warmer here, whether the roof is open or closed. So I think right now it's just, you know, it's weird. I thought the ball would carry a little bit better to right field. You know, I feel like from our vantage point, mm-hmm. if the ball that goes up and right, you feel like it's gone. Um, and look, feels like it's it's carrying down the left field line pretty well. So it's center field, not so much. You know, we've seen a couple of balls robbed on both sides, um, and it feels like balls have been hit really hard in the gap that haven't really gone anywhere. So kind of, I think kind of just a thing right now. Um, we'll see how it goes with the roof open a little bit more consistently when the weather gets warmer. John, thanks so much for yeah. your time. As always, we'll see you tonight. Be, be well. Buddy. Go get him. Good All luck. Right. You Thank bet, you. guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. John Schneider, manager of the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, and it was interesting, you know, John talks a lot about consistency of approach. And yesterday I asked him, we were talking about Danny Jansen and, you know, the two walk off hits yep. Yep. and John's known Danny forever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and I asked him, like, I'm not a big believer in clutch, but I asked him about when Danny, Danny has, has gets, seems to get big hits. And I said, when he was in the minors, was he a guy who could come up with a big, cause I didn't watch him in the minors. Yeah. And he just made an interesting point about the one thing about Danny is he's consistent. And and John's answer was was really intriguing because he said, to me, clutch is being consistent in big situations. It's not necessarily, what he's saying is not necessarily coming through in big situations. It's I'm consistent. Here's a big situation. Still the same guy I was the first three at-bats when I slide out to right. He, he, and, and, you brought up George Springer, 
and he talked about how he's reluctant to move him in the yeah. end. Frankly, I am too. I wouldn't. I wouldn't move George Springer anywhere. Well, I, I don't I, know if I, it'd I just, help. I don't think it would help. I don't think no. he can. But I think maybe through the first couple of months of this season, I think maybe we need to understand that this is his first full year of managing, and I think John is still trying to get a message of consistency across to these guys. That's guy. That that's why. When a guy misses the game, he doesn't mix the lineup around. You basically move everybody up one. And, you know, this is an organization. This is an organization that took how many weeks to, you know, we knew John was coming back for the most part. But they took a long time, kind of longer time than usual, making it official. Uh, you know, they took a long time announcing the makeup of, this, of, of the coaching staff. This organization, for Better or worse is very process-driven. That's just the way it is. And I, and I wonder if maybe this isn't... I don't know if John can come out and say this, but it's kind of John telling the players... Because, like, he can't go out and get more players. Nope. He probably can't make these guys better than what they are. Yep. But his approach, I think, is I'm going to be as consistent as I can. You know, it's up to you guys to deliver. And if you guys don't deliver, I mean, you know, obviously that's that's general manager's job then. And, and I think maybe we don't talk about that enough. I kind of like it because I think when you are a, a new major league manager, a newish major, major league manager, you want to give your players the feeling that you think they got it. Yeah, but it, it, sure, it, I, I'm it, sure. It, I'm sure. Quietly, I'm sure. It's quietly, he's saying, "Boy, it sure would be nice. My superstar, Blatty, yeah, would get it going and start hammering baseballs and, who, and get better pitches." Who in this organ? Who yeah. in this organization? I'm has, sure, he's saying that. Who in this organization has seen more of Vladdy than John Schneider? It, it is, but the big leagues are different. Like the big leagues can hammer Correct. your weakness, and I've said this: it's a little in, it's hard in, soft away. But the hard in is in off the plate. You want to know why that is? Because other teams know he'll get himself out. Yeah. You don't always have to get him out. Well, he'll get himself out. And that's the, that's the graduation of we know what you do physically. There's no question what you can do. Now it's refining it, and it's okay to be a behind in the count. It's almost like when he walked to the plate, I cannot fall behind in the count. I'm gonna, no matter who's at the I, on the mound. I, I'm going to say this. Maybe he already realized this. Vladdy's not his dad. Yeah. Vladdy can't hit those pitches. You know who can hit those pitches? Bo can hit the pitches. Bo Absolutely. Is, I covered Vladdy Sr. Bo, in terms of getting pitches that no one should get Second to. Second to none, almost. He's closer to Vladdy Sr. No than Vladdy is. And oh, that, absolutely. And and that oh. is not that is not a criticism of Vladdy no. Jr. But mm. what I'm saying is, I, I think, and, and you heard John say, be comfortable going, going 0-1. Oh, no question. Because I can't, I can't have maximum damage on that no, pitch because I know myself. Yeah, I can't do anything in that pitch. So uh, why, yeah. why am I going to hit it? Maybe the next yeah. pitch I can. Yeah, and and that. Yeah, you know that oh. that's the, the the thing that we spend. I, I think maybe we spend so much time sort of trying to say that Vladdy's like his dad and his dad's in the Hall of Fame. And I mean, I saw Vladdy hit a double on a ball that bounced in front of I home was plate. Everybody first. did. I was playing first when he did it once. You know it. I mean, he did, but not everybody can do that. Nope. Not they're, everybody they're, can do gonna, that. They're going to need Vladdy to, to, to just the quality of the at-bat when it matters the most, no matter – that could be in the first inning. 
uh, no matter when it is. Could be first or second he comes up. It has to be better. Like, they have to be better. Do you think he misses his buddies? Who's his buddies? Do you think he misses Teoscar, misses Lourdes? The whole home run jacket. I think he. Thing. I think he knows. I'm not, I'm not asking that to be an ass. I'm, I think I'm, he knows who's hitting behind him and what they're not doing and what he needs to do. It's a big deal. I do think he needs. He knows that. All right, seven oh seven is the first pitch tonight. Reminder: We'll be on Sportsnet five ninety. The fan Ben Wagner will have the call of the game. Mr. Barker, myself, will be doing Blue Jays talk after the game. No when, yelling at me. When we next speak to you, it will be five p.m. Eastern. On Victoria Day, that is our new time slot. Same places, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Sportsnet 360, podcast, yada, yada, et cetera, et cetera. Have yourself a great weekend, a great long weekend. We'll see you at 5 Eastern on Monday.